Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the History of Animation podcast. My name is Chelsea, and I will be your host. In this podcast, I will be going over the history of animation. So I've decided to kick this thing off by going way back to a true pioneer of the medium. And no, I'm not talking about Disney. I'm talking about someone that was making animations before Walt Disney Studios was even a thing. His name was Windsor McKay. So a little background about uh, Mr. McKay. He was born September 26, 1867. He's probably most famous for his comic strip, uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland. And in case any of you anime fans out there are wondering, yes, the animated film of the same name that was released in 1989 was based off of this. Yeah, the comic was pretty popular. <laughs> the comic itself was a full-page weekly comic strip that depicted the lead character, Nemo's dreams. The concept is pretty simple, but McKay had a way of experimenting with colors and perspectives along with the size and shapes of panels, which made it way more interesting, and these comics became famous worldwide. In 1909, McKay started to perform in vaudeville acts, and I'm sure most of you listening right now don't understand what that is but it was super popular at the time. If there is any interest out there, I might do an episode dedicated to uh, Vondervilles. They are very important to animation history, but not all of that's for good reasons. Um, you see, they're basically where blackface comes from, and also where a lot of the negative stereotypes about black people were started. And these stereotypes are still with us today. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, his most famous Vanderville act was, uh, Chalk Talks. Basically, he would draw something while interacting with the audience. For example, he might draw a caricature of people in the audience while he was talking to them, or something along those lines. Apparently, one of his favorite routines was to recite a Shakespeare monologue while drawing faces. He would add the details to these faces to make them appear older and older and older until the end of the monologue where they would be elderly as if they are on death's door. So he loved these acts, but in 1911 he wanted to make something more special. So he decided to make an animated version of his famous comic strip. One of the sources that I saw says that he came up with the idea while playing with his son's flipbook. I'm not sure if that's really true, because film was a thing at this point, so it's not too big of a stretch for uh, someone who does drawings such as himself to think of animation, but it's a fun story nonetheless. 
It is possible to watch this original Nemo cartoon. Since you're interested in history, I'm assuming, since you're listening to this podcast, it is something that I would say you should watch. Uh, I have watched it. It's, um, it's a thing. (laughs) To be honest, I have no idea what's happening in it. I think the prince draws a princess who comes to life and then they ride off in a dragon's mouth which becomes a throne. Uh, Also there are these two weird characters that stretch weirdly and uh, one of them uh, design wise you you can tell that uh, it has some wonderful inspirations. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he then would make a second film, which was very unsettling, at least to me. This film was called How the Mosquito Operates. It's a silent film that was made in 1912 about a mosquito that keeps trying to suck the blood out of a man trying to sleep. So, while the man is sleeping, the mosquito keeps sucking some blood out of him and gets a little bit bigger each time until there's so much that it just explodes. Uh, I assume because it was too full? Six minutes long, which is really impressive for the time, but there is a lot of looping parts of it where you can tell that he just used the same frames over and over again. But obviously, uh, it was way hard to do animations back then, so I guess it makes sense why he would do that. His next work became a landmark in animation history. It's called Gertie the Dinosaur. I remember watching this one while I was in animation school. It is important because it's the first animation that was made using keyframes. So before we go on, a little explanation about what keyframes are. Keyframes in animation are the basically the start and end of uh, animated movement. For example, if you were to animate someone waving, the high point and the low point of the person's hand movement would be the keyframes. The frames in between those points would be called in-betweens. Keyframes are very important because they define the animation, so it lets you know uh, where the character is moving, what they're doing, and even nowadays, like you, a lot of animators will do the keyframes first and then either go back and do the in-betweens or nowadays uh, sometimes the in-betweens are done by computers. But back to Gertie. The main production started in 1913. He drew thousands of frames on six and a half by eight and a half sheets of rice paper. He picked this paper because it was translucent enough for him to trace the background. Oh, yeah, he had to draw each frame by hand, including the background as well. Thankfully, he didn't have to do it all by himself. He hired an art student to do that. I have no idea how much John 8's 
Fitzsimmons was paid to draw the same thing thousands of times, but I hope it was good. Wonder if getting paid in exposure was a thing back then. Anyways, so another interesting part about Gertie was he actually performed alongside the film. He would act as if he was talking to her and that she was responding to what he was saying. It's kind of like it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but with the actor performing live. And he did do the show live for a bit, but was approached by a film producer named William Fox who wanted to make a movie version of it. McKay accepted, and the extended live-action prologue was added to the film. Plus, his commands to Gertie were added in speech frames, because, again, this, this was way, way back. So this was before they actually had uh, audio in films. And this version of Gertie is now in the American Museum of Natural History. You can easily watch the full version online. And since I'm assuming you're all into history, I do recommend you watch it. It's a marvel to see, even if uh, I don't feel like most of his animations aged very well. Well, that's it for now. If uh, you're interested in learning more, I'll be sure to add some links to the sites where I got all this information from. And be sure to look out for the next episode of The History of Animation.